Praise the name of the Lord. Praise God. We serve a good God, don't we? His grace is amazing. Open your Bibles with me, if you would, to the Gospel of John. And as we do that, our children are dismissed to Kids Dome. The Gospel of John, chapter 14. Gospel of John, chapter 14. When you got it, say so. All right. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and where I go, you know, and the way, you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth that sets us free, Lord God. And we come before you today, Lord God, with our hearts humbled in your presence, Lord God. We're humbled by the grace of God, and we thank you so much for loving us, Lord God, for dying in our place and for granting us the opportunity to worship you, to come into your presence, to hear your word. And so today, Lord God, we ask that you would speak to us. Pray that you would open our ears, Lord God, that you would allow us to hear what you're saying to your church and that you would be glorified in this time, Lord God. And as we hear your word, Lord God, that we would not just be hearers alone, but that we would be faithful respondents and doers of your word. We pray this in Jesus' good name. Someone said? Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you don't have an outline, please raise your hand so that way the ushers can get one to you. <clears throat> just keep your hand up so the ushers see you. Make sure you get an outline. Mm. Praise the name of Jesus. Glory to God. And the reason why we give these outlines is two reasons. Number one is for you to be able to follow along <clears throat> and take notes. Um, you can share in the sermon as well. And then the second thing is, as I've said before, we started our Connect Life Groups again in September. And when we first started Connect Life Groups, what we were doing there was we were um, having discussions, our Connect Life groups, those are our small groups, and so we were discussing the sermon, so we were using these outlines, but we've changed it up a little bit, and so we're not using the outlines anymore, but I still encourage you to utilize the outlines so that way you can continue to grow in your faith, and that way you can make disciples, so it makes it possible for you to take what you're hearing and help someone else to grow in faith, so that's important for us, and Everybody has their outlines now. We'll continue on, and, or we'll start in here. And just look at um, the beginning there. As Jesus is in his final hours, we talked about this last week, that Jesus is, this is literally the day before Jesus is going to the cross. And so this is hours before that. So as Jesus is in his final hours with his disciples, letting them know he will be with them no longer, he endeavors to comfort them with words of truth that edify, not pacify. Hear me. See, a lot of times we just want words that are going to make us feel good, but I need to let you know sometimes the words that are going to make us better don't always make us feel good in the beginning. 
And when Jesus is talking to his disciples, he's giving them words of encouragement for sure. He's giving them words to edify them for sure. But they weren't so, you know, extremely comforting. They weren't the words that they wanted to hear, right? Because they're looking at their Savior. And we'll talk a little bit more about this, this Messiah that they were waiting on. And he's coming to them. And as he is coming to them, you know, he's telling them, listen, you know, basically we've been together for these three years. And pretty soon I'm not going to be here anymore. And so... Jesus is communicating with them. He's trying to edify them. And this important lesson for us because we should make sure that when we are trying to encourage people that we are not discouraging them later on because we told them so much stuff that made them feel good, but it didn't help them in the long run. So very important for us. Second paragraph here. And bringing his time to a close with his disciples in the upper room, Jesus shows us his willingness to answer our questions. As a good leader, he wanted the disciples to ask questions rather than get the wrong information or jump to conclusions. The title of this message this morning is Comforted in Questioning. So Jesus gives us an example, and he shows, if you will see here as we look throughout all of these scriptures, that Jesus is showing us what a good leader should be able to do or willing to do, and that is to answer the questions, even the tough questions, the questions that nobody wants to ask or the questions that nobody wants to answer or the questions that nobody wants to deal with. We should be willing to deal with those things, and it's okay as a leader to say, I don't know. Thank God Jesus wasn't telling him any I don't knows. Hello. Thank God Jesus had all the answers. He gave them the answers that they needed when they were asking these questions, but he shows them his heart toward us, and it gives us the same understanding. I was talking with some gentlemen yesterday, um, um, actually Pastor Aldo's brothers, and we were discussing uh, a quote that I had heard, and it's a, it's a bad quote, so I won't requote it because I don't want you to think that I agree with it. But nonetheless, the point was it was talking about questioning people, and the issue is that you should never question a father or something like that. And I'm like, that's crazy. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying, and he's questioning the father, isn't he? Saying, Father, there's another way for this to happen. Let this happen. You know, Moses was talking to God, the Father, and he was like, I, you know, don't send me. I can't even speak. And so we see continual, continual things throughout Scripture. You know, the questions are not the issue. It's the heart that's the issue. Do we want to ask questions just because we want to be knuckleheads? Do we want to just ask questions because we're trying to throw up smoke screens, because we're trying to deter people from what's really going on in our heart? Or are we asking sincere questions, genuine questions? And that, that's what was going on with the disciples here. They had some sincere questions. They had some real questions that they wanted to ask Jesus. And so Jesus was open to hearing from them. And he wanted to answer those questions because he wanted to comfort them. The third paragraph here, God has called us to be sources of comfort. And so hear me when I say this, it is not just for Jesus to comfort, but Jesus is the one who brings comfort, but he does it through what? He does it through us, right? He does it through our lives. He does it through our conversation. He does it through our communication. He does it through our presence. He does it through us. And so we are supposed to be sources of comfort in the lives of others, yet comfort is not always easy, hear me, to give or receive. Therefore, we must ensure that we are biblically comforting those in need of comfort, which will lead them to strengthened faith. Now, notice what I said. While we're supposed to be vessels of comfort, one of the things is, is, is true is that it's not always easy to give comfort. I've, I've, I've said this a few times. Probably one of the things that is most difficult for me to deal with, and I mean, I've, I've done a few funerals and things of that nature. I mean, I've had, I've had the... 
It's not a privilege, but, you know, I've, I've had, I would say that it is an honor in a sense to, you know, do a funeral for a few-month-old baby. You know, I've done those. The first funeral I did, it was funny because it wasn't funny. Funerals are never funny, but, you know, um, the, first, the first funeral I did was in my first year of Bible college. And I remember I literally, I skipped the class on funerals because I was a youth minister. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to bury anyone soon. And so I skipped that class. And I promise you, the next week, someone was like, hey, can you do a funeral? I was like, man, I wish I'd go back to that class. And so... You know, ultimately, you know, that was someone that I didn't know. But the point is, I say that because it's hard, you know, for me to, to, to comfort people, you know, even in those moments because they're just so hard because you don't know what to say sometimes. I mean, you know, you don't want to give the cliche statements and things like that. And so comforting people, whether it's in death or whether it's in discouragement, whether it's in hardship in their life, it's not always easy to do. But the other side of it is it's not always easy to receive either, Right. Because sometimes we want to hear something else than is being communicated to us. But ultimately, what we realize is that we're called to be vessels of comfort. And that's the reason why it's important for us to know what the scriptures teach. It's important for us to know what the word of God says. And that way, when we are comforting people, we are giving them biblical truth, not just our opinions, not just cliches, and not just our thoughts. Amen? So here is the big idea for the day. Jesus comforts us to keep us moving forward. He comforts us to keep us moving forward. That's what he does. When he's with the disciples in the upper room, he's trying to get them to move forward. He wants them to move forward because he's about to. He knows he's about to part from them. He's about to leave them. And he doesn't want them to just stay in a place of being um, discouraged or dismayed, but he wants them to move forward. And it's the same thing with us when we're going through whatever it is that we're experiencing. God wants to comfort us so that way we can move forward with him. And so the first thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, Jesus comforts us with eternal hope. Jesus comforts us with eternal hope. So verses 1 through 4 that we read, it says here, we'll read it again. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And so I want to say this. That word mansions there, it, can, it, it, it could have been translated and should have been translated rooms. In my father's house, there are many rooms because we have this idea that when, when, you, when you actually read this out and you read it in the original language, we have this idea like everyone's going to have this big old mansion pimped out in heaven. Hello. Now listen, I'm going to just let you know there is a mansion pimped out, but it is one mansion. Amen? And it, is the, and it is the glorious mansion of heaven, and we are all going to have a room in there, right? It's like, you know, I'm not going to be over here in a shack. Now, my room may be bigger than yours. Amen. I'm just saying, right? <laughs> You know, I, I, or, or your room, your room may be bigger than mine. I don't know. But, but what I realize is this, is that Jesus, I'm hoping I got the biggest room. But nonetheless, I just want to, can I get a closet in heaven? I'm just, just a closet is good. I'm saying a closet in heaven is amazing. I just, that's just my thought, right? So, you know, ultimately, you know, there, there's room for us, right? Those, those who are his children. And so Jesus is encouraging them, letting them know that in his father's house, there are many rooms, many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And so in the moment, they thought they were losing their long-awaited Messiah. Here is why Jesus spends his time encouraging his disciples in this moment. Because remember, they have been waiting for this Messiah all this time. They have been waiting for this Messiah that's going to come and restore Israel, that's going to come and, you know, overturn the Roman Empire, that is going to come and reestablish them as the people of God. And, and, and after three years, you know, that was their hope. They didn't get it in, in totality. And you'll see as we read here, there was a lot of things they didn't fully get while Jesus was walking with them, right? But here's the thing. 
They're in this situation, and Jesus knows, okay, I don't want, I've, I've trained these guys up. I've raised up these 11 leaders because, remember, Judas has left. I've raised them up, and I want them to be the ones to extend the kingdom. I want them to be the ones to further the gospel. I want them to be the ones to move forward in the things that I've trained them for. And if they are not encouraged, they are going to stop. And so they're here, and they're, and they're thinking about this. And Jesus reminds them of this. His kingdom is not of this world. What he wants them to get is that it wasn't about overturning the Roman Empire. It was about overturning the kingdom of darkness. Are you hearing me? It wasn't about just, you know, taking a little plot of ground somewhere. It wasn't, it was, it was much bigger than that. It was about Jesus communicating to them, hey guys, my kingdom is not of this world. This is not what I came to do. I want you guys to be extending a kingdom that is greater than any empire that you have ever seen. More importantly, their spot was secured. So look what he does. He encourages them that he is going to make a place for them. And what I want you to know is when you think about this, it's not like Jesus was going back into the carpentry business and saying, I'm going to make a place for you, like I'm going up into heaven so I can make room for you. That's not what he was saying. What Jesus was saying, and you need to get this, he was making a place for them when he went to the cross. That is where Jesus makes a place for us. He makes a place for them when he, when, he, when he dies in their place. That is where the transaction is made. That is where Jesus goes to make a place for them. Because if it is not Jesus dying on the cross, this is why the gospel becomes so important and imperative to us. Because we cannot just earn our way into heaven. Why? Because we are sinners. We are born into sin. But Jesus comes to do what? He comes to deliver us from what has separated us from God, which is our sin. He comes to separate us free and that way we don't have to spend eternity in hell but that way we can be redeemed to him and what he does to his disciples is he says listen I am going to secure to secure a place for you I'm going to secure a place for you and on the cross is where that security is going to happen because I've lived the perfect life and now I'm going to die the perfect death and I'm going to rise again and I'm going to give you eternal hope but I want you guys to know there's a place and I'm coming back for you I'm coming back for you. I am going to redeem you. I am going to bring you with me. You just can't go right now. But he wants to encourage them with that. And so here's what I want you to get. Jesus comforts us with eternal hope, which should lead us to eternal focus. Let me say that again. Jesus comforts us with eternal hope, which should lead us to eternal focus. Now, here, now, now, now here, here's, what, here's what I want you to understand. He, he comforts us, and he gives us this hope so that way he can do what? So that way he can give us an eternal focus. There's a brother that you're going to meet here in a little bit. His name is Tim McKinney from United Global Outreach, and he is, he's part of a ministry, and we often talk, and, I, and I'll introduce him later on, but we often talk about missions, right? We, all, we often talk about, you know, doing mission work. And I don't know if you know this, but right over here in Bifflo, there's a mission field just wide open over there to the degree that he's going to talk to you about, you know, the water over there is putrid. It's not even drinkable. It's not, it's not, it's not good. And you would think, wait a second, we're in Florida, right? Like, like we, you drive, well, some of you drive by Bifflo, some of you may not, but Ultimately, the thing is that there, there, there's this work. Now, why does he do this work? Well, I think part of it, I mean, obviously he sees that there's a need there, but this is what I mean about being eternally focused. See, what he is doing is he is doing something in this earth, not for himself, not for his own glory, but he is doing what? He is doing it for the glory that is to come. 
You see, and for our lives, it should be the same way. I went with the evangelism team. I had the awesome opportunity to go with them to um, Crane's Roost a few weeks ago, and it was a blessing. And listen, I highly encourage anyone that is, I mean, even remotely interested to, you know, to learn more about how to share the gospel with people, to go out there and just be with them. It's just an awesome opportunity and experience to see people, to see the Spirit of God moving upon people's hearts. And I mean, seriously, we were walking there in one, one particular case. Um, I was walking with, with Ricky, and we're walking together, and there was a, a young lady, a young man talking, and as we're walking, he's like, hey, let's go over there, and we walk over there. I just got to tell you this story because I thought this was so awesome. As we walk over there, you know, we start having this conversation, and Ricky, you know, Ricky breaks the ice, and he starts talking, and as he's communicating, you know, the girl has a, a background of faith. She's not walking with Jesus, but she has a background of faith, and she's, she says this. She's like, you know, I'm about to lose everything, and then she said something. It was so cool. She said, and I prayed to the Lord that he would, you know, show up or something like that, and you guys walked over here. John Casanova's with us, right? No, Manuel Elias. So the Trinity in the earth, we were the earthly Trinity. <laughs> we were the earthly Trinity, except we really weren't one, you know, but we were walking together, right? So representing God the Father, God, I don't know who was the Father, who was the Son, who was the Holy Ghost. All I know is that this person is there. Why do I share this? You see, because what I realize is this, is that going out on any night, a Monday night, you know, they went out to Church Street on Friday at like, you know, 12 o'clock at night, you know what, you know, none of it is convenient. Are you hearing me? Right? Like none of, like it's not, oh man, I don't want to, I was, listen, I wanted to call in. Hello, somebody. I'm letting y'all know. I wanted to text her and be like, yo, bro, I'm not going to make it. And I was like, yo, get up off your couch and go out here, right? You, you're going to have to sacrifice some family time. And I thank God. That I did that. But here's what I'm telling you. You know why you get off your couch? You know why you turn your TV off? You know why you go to your neighbor? You know why you go and share those things? It is because of eternal focus. Plus a little manipulation. But listen. (laughs) Guilt, you know, the gift that keeps on giving. Hello? (laughs) Take that for Dr. Pete Alwinson. He says that all the time. But anyway, here's the thing. Ultimately, the the fact is when we are eternally comforted, it is to do what? It is to give us eternal focus. Like, what am I doing to bring glory and honor to Jesus? That's the question I have to ask myself. So his disciples, he's encouraging them, hey, man, you know, I'm going to make a place for you. I'm coming back for you. In other words, listen, you need to be focused eternally, not just in this world. Now, does that mean that we forget about the lives that we live? Does that, does that mean that we just stop paying our bills and we go live in a box somewhere? Well, if God calls you to do that, I mean, I'm just saying, if he calls, but, you know, I, he's, he, he's, he hasn't called everyone to do that. But he has called everyone to be a missionary in the days that we live in. In other words, you do that doing what? Being focused on eternity. Second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, Jesus comforts us, Jesus comforts us. with exclusive, exclusive. Assurance. assurance. Jesus comforts us with exclusive assurance. Now, let's look at verses 5 through 7. It says, so Thomas said to him, right, Thomas, again, this is questioning, this is comforted and questioning. They were comforted as they were questioning Jesus. And so he says this, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Now, do you think Jesus is being pretty clear about who he is? I think he's being pretty clear about who he is. But notice what, 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 this, what, what um, Thomas says to him. He says, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way there? 
In other words, Thomas was looking for step-by-step directions. How do I get there? You know what Jesus says? Jesus said, it's not step-by-step directions that get you anywhere. It's me. Are you hearing me? He's saying, I am the way. In other words, you can't earn your way. You can't make it on your own. You need the way. There is no other way. And so when I say that he, he, he encourages us or comforts us with an exclusive assurance, what he does, he says something that, listen, I want you to hear me when I say this. The invitation to Christ is all-inclusive. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is called. When you hear the gospel call, that is a general call that goes out. Everybody is called to come to Jesus. Everybody's, when you hear on Sunday morning, if you're here, it is a general call for everyone. But here's what I want you to know. You will not experience the benefits until you come to the place that you realize that Jesus is the only way. There is no other way to the Father except through him. It's exclusive. Listen, Christianity is exclusive. I, y'all, y'all need to get this. There, there, there is not a bunch of ways to get to heaven. You know, people will tell you, well, you know, there's a bunch of paths and they all lead to the same place. Yes, and that place is hell. <laughs> They're correct. They're 100% right. There are a bunch of paths and they all lead to the same place. Yep, and there's one path that leads to one place and that is heaven and that is Jesus. He is the way that made the way with his blood that was shed for us, period. It's exclusive. But you know what he does? He comforts them. And he says, listen, you know the way. You know me. You've seen the Father. And now you know him. Now you've seen him. So he encourages them. He encourages them. He comforts them again. He gives them what they need to hear. Now, did they want to hear that? I don't know if they wanted to hear that. But you know what? It comforted them. It gave them the answer that they needed to hear. And so it's important for us that we realize this. In encouraging and comforting his disciples, he brings us to one of the clearest portions of Scripture with regard to salvation. I hope this is crystal clear. There's no other way to get to heaven except through who? Jesus. Jesus is the only way. And like I said, the invitation to salvation is inclusive. Everyone is invited. However, only those who accept Jesus as the only way because he is the reconciliation, right? He's the one who died in our place. He's the one with the truth who, that illuminates us and lets us see what we need. He is the life. He is the regeneration that we experience. And that's how we experience eternal life when we are able to share with the Father in heaven. Amen? The third thing, I'd ask you to repeat after me. Say, Jesus comforts us. With exhibited deity. Jesus comforts us with exhibited deity. Now let's look at verse 8 through 14. And it says this. It says, Philip said to him, so Thomas had his, his moment of questioning. Now Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me? Philip? Can you hear, can you hear the, the, the frustration of this, of this amazing leader, Jesus? I can not say, oh, let me explain this to you again. He's like, how long have I been with you? I'm just saying, if he was from, you know, Miami, he would have said it like that. How, how long have I been with you? <laughs> he who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. 
He goes on to say, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. See, throughout this gospel, Jesus has exhibited his deity equality with the father as well as taught them clearly who he was and they still didn't get it hours before jesus is going to the cross and they're still asking questions show us the father give us this assurance give us give us something that we haven't seen already and you know what i love is this think about this now we've we've gone through this this gospel right we've been through 13 chapters already think about how he rebuked the pharisees right? Because of the same stupidity, right? Because they were, you know, show us a sign. And he's like, you want a sign? I'm not giving you a sign. Y'all remember that stuff, right? And it's funny because Jesus doesn't treat his disciples the same way he treats these Pharisees. Because you know what the difference is? The difference is the genuineness and sincerity of heart. The disciples really had questions. They really didn't understand things. Remember what I told you last week? I said the issue for them was what? Is that they couldn't grasp the deity of Jesus. The issue with us is that we can't grasp the humanity of Jesus, their issue was that, that they were struggling to grasp the deity of Jesus, even though he had done miracles, even though he had done signs and wonders, even though God had confirmed his word, even though he had done all of these things, they were still struggling. But I want you to see that even though Jesus is direct and he's like, man, I've been with you all this time and you still don't get it. Even though he, you know, questioned them that way and said he still loved them enough to answer them and to communicate and let them know, hey, if you don't believe me, at least believe the works. Look at the works that have, been, that, that, that have been done before you. After Jesus encourages his disciples of his deity, again, he reminds them of the implications for those who believe. Participation and the advancement of the kingdom. Is that not an awesome thing? He, he shows them this. Look in verse 12. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these be, be, um, he will do because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So he reminds them, listen, I've come from the Father, and I am, I am, I am the Father. The words that I speak have shown this. The works that I've done have shown this. And then he goes on to remind them, listen, if you believe these things, guess what? You're going to participate with me in this mission. And I love what Jesus says here because he communicates to them. He says, the, the works that I do and greater shall be done. Now, I want you to think for a moment theologically because we need to be like, okay, what does Jesus mean by greater works than these? And I want you to look, if you look in the Bible with me, we're not going to look at it right now. We've gone through the book of Acts in the past. And what we understand here is that, did you ever see, and, just, and, and, and think about this for a moment. It's not a trick question. Did you ever see anyone in the book of Acts as an individual do greater works than what Jesus did? Nobody did nearly the type of works that Jesus did. But you want to know what happened? Collectively, they were able to extend the works that Jesus did. You see, what Jesus was communicating was not that you were going to do greater works than I did as, you know, as far as the things that he did. But what he was saying is you are going to be able to expand the works that I can't. Why? Because 2,000 years later, thousands upon thousands of people have come to faith. Many of them have died and gone to heaven. But they have, died, they have come to faith in Jesus because of what? Because of the works that Jesus did that are continued through his disciples. Are you hearing me? 
And so what he's communicated to them is he's saying, listen, when I go, and he's going he's gonna to encourage them with this as well, when I go, it's going to be better. Why? Because Jesus could only be in one place at one time while he was in this earth in a physical body. Are you here? And so because he limits himself, he can only be in one place at one time. But guess what? We can all be in a bunch of places. And you know what that means? That means that Jesus is anywhere that we are. Are you hearing me? Jesus' power to heal is anywhere that we are. Jesus' power to save is anywhere that we are. Jesus' power to comfort is anywhere that we are. Anywhere that we are, Jesus is with us, and he wants us to realize that, that he has called us to do what? To seek him for his will, for his wisdom, and for his kingdom to be manifested in this earth through our lives. This is what he wants us to get. And that's what he was communicating to his disciples. He was saying, listen, if you believe in me, and he tells him, he's like, you pray what you ask I'm going to do. Now, listen, I want you to, again, think theologically. He wasn't saying just ask whatever you want. Hello? This isn't like one of those name it, claim it scriptures. Hey, right there, I can ask whatever. He's going to do it. That's what he said. It is about you and I asking things according to the will of the Father. But uh, by us asking things that are clearly written out in the word of God. By us asking things that are clearly communicated to us. That is what he's communicating. Because you know what? In order for us, hear me when I say this. In order for us to accomplish the works of God, God has got to be working through us. Are you here? We need his power to be manifesting if we're going to see his will being executed. Because we can't do his will on our own. Are you here? The last thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, Jesus comforts us with explicit promises. Jesus comforts us with explicit promises. So we're going to finish out this chapter. Let's look at verse 15. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them. It is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, again, here's another question. How is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words and the word which you hear is not mine but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said, I go to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now, I have told you before it comes to pass that when it does come to pass, you may believe. 
I will no longer talk with you much more for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me but that the world may know that I love the Father and as the Father gave me commandments, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. Jesus comforts us with explicit promises. There's one thing that the gospel teaches us, and it is that we earn nothing from God, but grace enables us to receive from God through faith demonstrated in our obedience. I'll say that again. There is one thing that the gospel teaches us, and it is that we earn nothing from God, that we don't earn anything, right? But grace enables us to receive from God through faith demonstrated in our obedience. What's the first thing that we read here verse, in verse 15? He says, if you love me, keep my commandments, right? That's what he says. If you love me, keep my commandments. And then he says, and I will pray the Father. He communicates that, that his commandments are important. When Judas asked him this question about how he will manifest himself to them, he said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. And so what we find here is that obedience is not us earning. Obedience is us receiving. Are you getting that? It's not us earning something. See, here's the mindset that we, that we want to have. Obedience would be me earning something if I was obeying on my own power and my own ability. Are you here? You see, if it was me doing this because I was so able to do this, then I earned something. But the only reason why you or I are able to obey God is because of his grace. And so what God does by his grace is he empowers us by his spirit to do what? To obey the word of God. And as we walk in obedience, we do what? We walk into the fulfillment of God's will. We walk into the manifestation of God's will. We walk into the purposes that God has, but it requires us to do what? obey. We have to obey. And here's the thing. We have to choose to obey because we can reject. Listen, the Bible says, shows us clearly many times, many examples. You know, Stephen, when he's preaching in the, in the book of Acts, he says what to the people? He says, don't stiffen your necks and harden your hearts and reject the Holy Spirit as your fathers have done. And so here's what I want you to get. We can reject the Holy Spirit's conviction. We can ignore the Holy Spirit when he's speaking to us. We can deny God and say, you know what? I'm not going to obey. We can do that. We have to make those choices, but it is by grace that we're able to obey and walk the way that God wants us to. And so here's the thing, directly connected to our obedience to Jesus, Jesus commands are five supernatural promises. You can write these down. These are all unpacked in the scriptures that we read here. The first one is he promises us a supernatural helper in verses 15 through 17. He promises that he's not going to leave us alone. He promises that we are going to have a supernatural helper, not just someone to come, by, come beside us, but someone supernatural that is the spirit of God the second thing is he promises us supernatural life in verses 18 through 19 he promises life that is beyond ourselves life that is beyond our ability the third thing that he promises us is a supernatural union he talks about he and the father being one and he talks about us being one with him about him coming to make an abode with us he talks about supernatural uh, a supernatural teacher this holy spirit that comes beside us he doesn't just come to comfort us. He doesn't just come to help us, but he comes to teach us. He comes to instruct us. And then the last one that he gives us is a supernatural peace. This is what Jesus gives us. And so he gives us these five things. He says he promises a supernatural helper. He promises us, he promises us a supernatural life. He promises us a supernatural union with him. He promises us a supernatural teacher. And he promises us a supernatural peace. Now here's why this is important. 
Christianity minus a supernatural intervention of God is not only impossible, but it is pointless. So you and I can't sit here today unless it is by the supernatural intervention of God. The only reason why I repented of my sin over 20 years ago is because what? It's because God supernaturally intervened in my life. Because God supernaturally called me. It wasn't because of any, any good thing that I did. It wasn't because I just woke up one day and I was like, hey, I need Jesus today. It wasn't like that. Not on my own. Oh, yeah, I came to the realization I needed Jesus, but it wasn't on my own. It wasn't just because God did that supernaturally. You see, here's the thing that I realized, that if we're going to see anyone come to Jesus, guess what's going to have to happen? Something supernatural. And so Christianity is impossible without God's supernatural intervention, but it is also pointless. Listen, if we don't have the power of God, if we, don't, if, if, if we are not seeking for God to do the things that he wants to do, if we're not experiencing that, then you know what? It's pointless. We don't, we, we, listen, we could just go home. Are you hearing me? We can just go home. There's no, there's no need to even call yourself a Christian if the God of heaven is not working through your life. Are you hearing me? I know that may sound harsh, but the truth of the matter is it, it doesn't mean everything is going to be perfect. Are you here? It doesn't mean everything's going to be easy. That, that, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God's spirit working in your life. I'm talking about God's spirit moving in and through your life. That's what God wants us to do. God wants to manifest himself. Listen, God is not satisfied. Hear me, church. He is not satisfied with us just coming together, gathering, clapping our hands, you know, singing about the amazing grace. You know, last night I was sitting in, in my time of worship and... As I was sitting down, my daughter and, and, and my wife, they turned the TV up real loud because I was real loud on the piano. For those of you that have been to my house, my piano's in one room and the television's in the other room. They were watching the show and I was yelling. I mean, I was losing my voice. I was just so overwhelmed by the grace of God. And, and you know what? I was sitting there and, you know, in tears because of the grace of God. But you know what? It's not just for me to be over. I want you to be overwhelmed by the grace of God. I want everyone I run into and have a conversation with to be overwhelmed by the grace of God. I want them to experience the power of God. And that's what I'm hoping that you want as well, that you're not just satisfied with coming to church, going through the motion, you know, doing the Christian patty cake, you know, we're going to clap. No, man, come on, man. I mean, like, seriously, like, do we want God? I mean, are, are, are we seeking God because we want more of him or are we just satisfied just where we are? Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not satisfied where I'm at. I'm not satisfied we are as a church. There is so much more that God wants to do, and it requires us to do what? To really want to see this supernatural stuff that is promised in the Word of God. Listen, it's not, I'm not asking God for something he didn't promise. He promised it. It's there. I can hold true, and I can say, God, you promised a supernatural helper. You promised supernatural life. You promised supernatural union. You promised supernatural teaching. You promised to be with me and never leave me. No see, these are the things that he promises. And listen, if God is with you... I I want you to understand what that means. That means that the one that created the heavens and the earth from nothing is with you. He is walking with you. He has not left you. He is there with you. That's what that means. It means that God Almighty is with you. It's not like you're just walking by yourself and I'm just chilling. Oh yeah, God is with me. Listen, if you have a giant with you, people are noticing that. And what I'm saying is that we should be the kind of people that are saying, God, I want them to see in Spanish they would say, El Poderoso Gigante. That means the Almighty God. I want them to see the power of the almighty one the one that is overshadowing my life that that is what i want them to see when i walk out these doors listen you want that kind of power god says it's available but we have to seek him for it that's right that's what we have to do and say god i want that and not just say it one day god that was exciting bishop was spitting he was yelling he was losing his voice that was great 
Now I'm excited, Lord. I want that power. No. Tomorrow morning, the next morning, the next day, until you see the glory. Listen, until you see his power, that means that I'm seeking him and saying, okay, God, I want you. And then you know what I'm also saying? God, what do you not want in my life? Hello. What, 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 what commands of yours am I not obeying? What things have you called me to do that I'm not, that I'm ignoring? Because you know what? You can't say, God, I want these things with full hands. Are you hearing me? If I'm going to be overflowing with something greater than I, then that means I got to get empty of me so that way he can fill me and overflow my life. See, that's what it means to walk with him. That's what it means to have a relationship with the almighty God. He wants to do so much more, but it requires a people. Listen, God hasn't changed. The church has. God is still the same God that we see walking in the greater works. They're still there to be done. We have to believe for them. We have to believe God. We want to see your glory in this earth. Listen, we need supernatural power, the supernatural power of God. Hear this. We need the supernatural power of God to start our walk, to maintain our walk, and to lead others into this walk. We need the supernatural power of God to start, to maintain, and to bring others into the faith. That's what it means to be a disciple. That's what it means to make disciples. And so here's my closing question here. Are you being a source of eternal comfort and revelation to those who need it? Think about that. Are you being a source of comfort and revelation to those who need it? Are you being a voice? Is that you? See, Jesus, Jesus met his disciples where they were. They had questions. They had things that were going on in them. He addressed their questions. He called them to move forward, even saying, let us leave this place, showing us that we should never become complacent with the truth, but should move forward in it. They're in that room together. The rest of the conversation is going to be had either on the way to the garden or something like that, but it's not had in that room because Jesus says, let's go. Letting them know, listen, I've, I've answered your questions. I've spoken to you, but don't get comfortable. Don't be comfortable where you are. God calls us to advance his kingdom, and with that calling, he has supernaturally empowered us. Are you hearing me? He has supernaturally empowered us, and so are you being that source of comfort that God wants you to be? I want you to stand to your feet really quickly, please. And I have, two, I have three, three things, three questions as you're standing. And the first one is this, is that if you're in this place and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, you don't, you're not walking with him, he calls you to repent of your sin, he calls you to turn to him, he wants to begin a relationship with you. But it depends on you trusting that he is the only way. It depends on you recognizing that you are sinful and that you need him to save you. So if you're in this place, you don't know Jesus today is the opportunity for you to call upon him. The second thing is I have a question. If you're in this place and I, I ask this question, if, you know, are you being a source of eternal comfort? So before I ask that question, I have, I have another question. It is this. Do you need eternal comfort? See, because I think that there's, there's only one, and, and I, listen, I'm not God, so I'm going to say what I would excuse. God excuses a lot more than I do. He died for you. I didn't. But the reality is, when I look at the only reason why I could see someone not comforting someone else is because they so desperately need comfort themselves. And sometimes we struggle because I, want, I can't comfort someone because I need that comfort, right? And so the question that I have is, in the, uh, if you're in this place and you need comfort, then that's important because God wants to comfort you. Amen? All right, so here's the thing that I'm going to do. First thing I'm going to ask is this. If there's someone in here and you're saying, man, I need comfort. I need comfort. I just want you to stand up. I want you to raise your hand. Actually, you're already standing up. I just want you to raise your hand. You need comfort in this place. You need comfort from the Lord. All right, I see that hand. I see that hand. Glory to God. Praise the Lord Jesus. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something. 
when I ask you, uh, the second question is this. Now, if you say in this place, Lord, I want to be a source of comfort. I want to be a source of comfort. I want to see your hand lifted up. Say, God, I want to be that source of comfort. So here's the beautiful thing that's going to happen right now. So everybody who raised their hand and said they needed comfort, I want you to come forward if you say you need comfort. You say, God, I need comfort. I want you to come forward. I want you to come forward. Line up on this, on, on, you know, right here in the front. You say you need comfort. So you're going to come here. Praise the name of Jesus. If you can't make one line, that's going to be beautiful so that way we have enough space. And the worship team, you can come up here if you want. And here's, here, here, here's, this, here's the second thing that I want to happen. If you raised your hand and you said, I want to be a vessel of comfort, I want you to come out of your seat and I want you to get behind these brothers and sisters. And I want you to find a way to touch them. I want you to find a way to put a hand on them. I want you to find a way that you can be a source of comfort to your brothers and sisters that are in this place. Right now, just that way we as a church can, I want to be a person of comfort. Well, let's start right here. Let's be that people that can be the vessels that God has called us to be. Praise the name of the Lord. Glory to God. And, as, and, and the, 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 the song that I, I would like for us to sing, it's a simple song. Break every chain. All right? Joel, can you come play that, please? Praise the name of Jesus. I just want to pray right now. But as we pray and as we sing this song in worship, I just want you to pray for that person. Pray for God's comfort. Pray for God's strength. Pray for God's healing work to be manifested in their life. Pray for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to fill their lives. Be a vessel of comfort today. Father, we come before you right now, God. And Lord, we just, we bow before you today, Lord God. You see the hearts of those that are on this altar that say that they're in need of comfort today, God. You see their hearts, my God. You see what they're going through right now, God. Father, you see the hurts. Father, you see the discouragements. Father God, you see the frustrations. You see the chains that are there. Father God, you see the doubts. Lord God, you see those things that are there. And right now, Father God, I just pray that you would bring healing to these hearts, my God. I pray right now that you would begin to, to bring healing, that you begin to bring comfort. Father God, that you would peel away those, those barriers, my God. That you would peel away those things that are hindering them from experiencing your love, from experiencing your peace. Father God, right now in the name of Jesus, we take authority over everything that would try to hold these brothers, these sisters back from experiencing perfect peace, Lord God, from experiencing that supernatural joy, from experiencing that supernatural strength. Right now, Lord God, may the power of your spirit be upon them in the name of Jesus. May we be vessels, Lord God, vessels of comfort, vessels of healing, vessels of restoration. Lord God, in the name that is above all names, may you be glorified in them in Jesus' name. Come on, there is power. Hallelujah. There is power in the name of Jesus.